this is Dr. Nick Tiller, and you're listening to the Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science podcast. What follows is an audio recording of my column, published in Skeptical Inquirer, the magazine for science and reason. For more information, visit www.skepticalinquirer.org. As with all articles in this series, a full list of references and a link to the written piece can be found in the show notes. Episode 9, When Medicines Go Rogue, Part 2, Oxygen. When the ancestors of modern reptiles emerged from the water and committed to air breathing, they triggered an approximate 300 million year evolutionary journey that led us to the wonderfully complex network of tubes, membranes and muscles we presently call the human respiratory system. Its primary purpose the movement of oxygen from the air we breathe into our blood and carbon dioxide in the opposite direction. Under normal conditions, the human respiratory machinery is considered overbuilt for the demands typically placed upon it. Nevertheless, there are scenarios that preclude the efficient transfer of oxygen from the lungs into the blood. For example, patients with emphysema, a type of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, present with damaged and inflamed lungs that are less capable of transferring oxygen into the circulation. Lung damage is also characteristic of COVID-19 that may also cause pneumonia and pulmonary edema, fluid accumulation in the lungs, that further reduces oxygen transfer capacity. By contrast, a patient with heart failure may have perfectly intact respiratory function, but their weakened heart muscles are less able to pump blood and oxygen around the body. At the other extreme, a fit and healthy mountaineer arriving at Everest Base Camp, which is over 5,000 metres, around 17,500 feet, must contend with a thinner atmosphere characterised by less O2 availability. All these scenarios result in a common outcome, less oxygen in the blood. Supplemental oxygen is a widespread therapy comprising a nasal tube or face mask that delivers oxygen at higher concentrations and or flow rates than occur under normal conditions. Since the late 1800s, there has been a growing body of literature on the crucial role of supplemental oxygen in acute respiratory care. The wealth of evidence on the use of supplemental O2 in the clinical setting has provided the commercial world a foundation on which to base a series of products aimed at the general population. In part two of this series, in which I explore how legitimate medical treatments have been misappropriated in the hyper-commercial health and wellness industry, I discuss the monetization of oxygen in three such products, the marketing hyperbole, false promises, and exaggerated claims that result. Hot air. The most obvious commercial misrepresentation of medically certified supplemental oxygen is so-called canned oxygen. Canned oxygen, as the name suggests, comprises a spray can containing, somewhat incongruously, 95% pure oxygen. It's claimed that several inhalations via the accompanying mask or inhaler cap, repeated periodically throughout the day, can, quote, improve breathing and reaction time, end quote. 
Moreover, by using the product immediately before physical activity or exercise, canned oxygen can supposedly augment sports performance by delaying the onset of fatigue. Some brands integrate eucalyptus and other essential oils into the gas mixture, which it is claimed can, quote, relax the nervous system, relax the muscles and relieve stress, end quote. If manufacturers cite any scientific data on their websites, it rarely has any relevance to the listed device, mostly linking to studies on hyperbaric oxygen therapy in patients or prolonged inhalation of medically certified gas mixtures. Hence, vendors of canned oxygen are gripping tightly to the coattails of the supplemental O2 clinical data. Not only is there a lack of research to support the use of commercial canned oxygen for any outcome, but the mechanism is inherently implausible. This is because the effects disappear quickly, even in hospitalized patients breathing supplemental O2 for 30 minutes. Thus, it is extremely unlikely that several breaths of high concentration O2 will meaningly influence the physiology of a healthy individual. Indeed, there may be a lack of research on the device precisely because the basic physiology is well understood. One merchant of canned oxygen, to feign scientific legitimacy, published an online press release mocked up with the appearance of a peer-reviewed journal article, complete with split-page columns, scientific-looking graphs, and a bibliography with four references. People familiar with science publishing will easily spot the ruse, but this flimsy attempt at coercion may well succeed on a layperson. What could possibly be purer than oxygen? Oxygen as a product is marketable because it's pure, ubiquitous and essential to life. Thus, commercialization of oxygen comes very close to exploiting the ingrained bias for natural produce. In other words, the appeal to nature fallacy. Nevertheless, if there is one product that could be considered purer, more wholesome and more ubiquitous to life than oxygen, it is water that's been infused with oxygen. Oxygenated water is a liquid food supplement, purchased in its bottled form or as a powder that's dissolved in, well, water. A given dose typically contains 30 to 120 milligrams of oxygen per litre of fluid, and is usually sold as stabilized oxygen, sometimes mixed with flavorings, acids, preservatives, vitamin C, caffeine, and or electrolytes. Commercial claims are vast. Faster recovery due to potential effects on lactate elimination, overcoming sensations of fatigue, headache, migraine, and dehydration, improved overall health, improved aerobic endurance, improved vitality, improved liver function, and detoxification. Interestingly, animal models and one human study show that it is theoretically possible to increase O2 absorption through the gastrointestinal tract. However, as an aid to health, oxygenated water has been strongly criticized by the medical community owing to the minuscule quantities of O2 that are potentially absorbed via this method. Contrary to the commercial claims, the data on oxygenated water and exercise capacity or fitness are unconvincing. Several studies show no effects of oxygenated water on exercise O2 uptake, exercise performance or muscle O2 content. A narrative review published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine 
concluded that performance-enhancing claims for oxygenated water cannot be taken seriously. Under pressure. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy, literally meaning high pressure, is a more theatrical and expensive form of supplemental oxygen, gaining prominence due to endorsements from athletes and celebrities including Cristiano Ronaldo, Michael Phelps, LeBron James, Mohamed Salah and Justin Bieber among others. During a typical exposure, an individual lies for one to four hours in a large horizontal tube in which the air has been pressurized to increase the drive for O2 to enter the blood. In some respects, hyperbaric O2 therapy can be considered the antithesis of high altitude exposure. Some of the first hyperbaric chambers were constructed in the early 1900s to treat decompression illness resulting from diving accidents, but have since been incorporated as standard medical treatments for various indications, including carbon monoxide poisoning, decompression illness, gas embolism, severe anemia, and to facilitate healing of chronic wounds that result from circulatory problems and a lack of O2 in the injured tissues, for example in type 2 diabetes. The robust clinical data, coupled with celebrity endorsements, has inspired naturopathic clinics and health spas around the United States to invest in hyperbaric O2 chambers for their clients. These facilities make unsupported claims to improved health and vitality. One vendor suggests, without evidence, that their chambers can result in, quote, more energy, better brain function, improved immune function, and decreased inflammation, end quote, while others propose the therapy as a treatment for cancer, Lyme disease, autism, and Alzheimer's disease. Even the FDA, which is typically slow to address baseless claims in health and wellness, warned that, quote, if you are considering the use of a hyperbaric oxygen therapy, be aware that some claims of what it can do are unproven, end quote. Hyperbaric O2 therapy is not without risk, with reports of damage to the middle ear, retinal damage, sinus pain, potentially fatal oxygen toxicity, even pulmonary edema in patients with undiagnosed heart problems. The FDA even warns that explosions and fires have occurred in hyperbaric oxygen therapy chambers that have not been reviewed by the FDA and that are located at unaccredited facilities. Most medical procedures carry risks that are carefully considered by the physician in a risk-dependent analysis. However, in otherwise healthy individuals without anemia, circulatory problems or decompression illness, the risks of hyperbaric oxygen therapy are impossible to justify. In conclusion, in terms of unproven commercial health and wellness interventions, lax federal regulations leave us with almost too many to count. By and large, they're marketed on logical fallacies, the exploitation of ingrained human biases, extraordinary claims and unextraordinary evidence. Even so, monetizing oxygen appears particularly unscrupulous, and products such as those aforementioned should be the biggest incentive yet for us to help the public distinguish legitimate clinical practices from illegitimate commercial ones. At best, commercial O2 therapies are ineffective, often costly procedures, tenuously supported by the clinical data. At worst, they are gross misappropriations of medical treatments that pose unjustified risks 
to otherwise healthy people. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this article, check out my book, The Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science, Confronting Myths of the Health and Fitness Industry, published by Taylor & Francis. For more information on this and my other work, visit www.nbtiller.com. Thank you.